Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for attending. And now, without further ado, to answer your questions, we welcome Commissioner Carl Benson. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for attending today's press conference. Uh, at a time when there are so many uncertainties facing intercollegiate athletics, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to address some of those issues. Uh, who's got the first question? I got a question. Uh, Trent Krim from the Independent. <laughs> really? Trent Krim from the Independent? Are you kidding me? What's your question? Well, well what makes you qualified to be a commissioner? And alive. That's the best that you can have at a time when, when we've got all these issues facing us, and that's the best question you have? That's the stupidest question I've ever heard. And really, who, who let this guy in? It's certainly no secret that almost every college football coach is hired to be fired. Only a very few leave the profession on their own terms. But never before this season have we seen so many coaches getting fired so early in their tenure. And this season, firing football coaches has become its own epidemic. With the regular season not yet complete, more than a dozen FBS head coaches have already gotten the pink slip, including one, former Florida coach Dan Mullen, who was 18 games north of 500 when he was fired in his fourth season. A good number of other teams have fired assistant coaches as well. The reason given for the firings vary, but one thing is for sure. Patience may be a virtue, but it's in very short supply. This week on Knutson and the Commission, Carl Benson and I get to talk with former college football assistant coach and author John Baxter, who spent more than three decades coaching everywhere from Arizona to Maine to Fresno State to Michigan and finally at USC. He was let go at the end of the 2019 season, but Coach Baxter has still has some strong feelings on these mid-season firings and what they mean for the sport. You'll be smarter after you listen, so don't go away. Our opening kick is coming up right after this on Knutson and the Commish. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at Colorado at gmail.com for more information. Carl, nobody ever said that uh, coaching, especially foot, college coaching, is a, has any, comes with, any job security comes with it, right? I mean, you're, you're never going to feel secure unless you work for the Colorado Rockies about your your job security in sports. But this year it's been bizarre. I mean, 13, I think right now is the count of coaches. FBS coaches have been fired mid season. We've never seen anything like this before ever. Um, and I know I read a wall street journal article on it. There's all sorts of explanations, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. What about you? Well, no, I definitely agree. And uh, you know, I went back and, and did a little, little history search here and, and it didn't go back. I guess it went back to 2008 in 2008, both Tyrone Willingham at Notre Dame yep. and Tommy Bowden at Clemson uh, were, were fired before the 1st of November. Right. And then you go just year after year after year, there was an occasional uh, right. Dan, Dan or uh, Charlie Weiss at Kansas, um, Ron Turner, Les Miles in 2016, right. uh, McElwain, McElwain at, at Florida. Right. But uh, never has there been more than you know, then, then two or three yeah. at, at best. And uh, today we're uh, we're pleased to, to have with us a, a longtime assistant coach who has been through some of these mid-season firings. Uh, John Baxter, longtime assistant football coach with stops at Maryland, Arizona, Fresno State, 
Southern Cal, Michigan back at Southern Cal from 2016 through 2019. Uh, but a longtime friend, uh, John and I were together when he was at Fresno State and I was at the WAC. And, and during that time, besides being an outstanding assistant football coach and one of the best special teams coordinators in the country, and Fresno State was was known for right. some of the some of the greatest uh, trick trick plays and and uh, punt returns and punt blocks and whatever. But uh, more than that, and when he was at Fresno State, he developed a program called the Athletes or the the uh, Academic Game Plan. And and at that time, you know, and Mark, you knew from your Colorado State days, mm -hmm. Fresno State didn't have a great academic that's correct you know, tradition yep. or reputation, and. Uh, John started a program, you know, specifically with the football team, but it, it spread out over to the other athletics programs. And, and during that time, uh, the, the student athlete graduation rate, the student athlete GPA had record, record numbers in terms of, of their academic success. And uh, a lot of that is spread out to, to schools, not just the ones that, that John has been at, but throughout yeah. the country. But it was such a good program. He wrote a book about it. He did. Yes, he did. So, and uh, John, John was on Lane Kiffin's staff in uh, at USC during the 2013 season mm -hmm. when the, uh, the infamous uh, firing took place, uh, you know, on the tarmac uh, as they got back to, to uh, LA. And, you know, I, we've asked Mark or John here today to, to explain a little bit about what that was like uh, for the assistant coaches, what it was like for the student athletes, but more importantly, you know, what in the hell is going on today <laughs> right. that would cause 13 midseason coaching changes? Coach Bax, it's yours. Okay, well, good to be with you guys. I mean, that's uh, I'm not I'm not sure we can tackle this in 10 podcasts, so we'll do the best we can to hit the highlights. Uh, it's certainly it's certainly a crazy, crazy uh, a time, and and uh, I think. We are on a crash course destined for uh, total instability and uh, um, and and even some things that are just non-sustainable. Okay, uh, so uh, you know we aren't giving ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollar raises. We're giving like three and four million dollar yeah. raises these days. Um, it's it's just I don't know what the sustainability of this all this is. Yeah, and then you're firing guys like uh, Dan Mullen, Florida, with who's 18 games over 500, and he's got a bunch of money left on his contract. You got to now pay at least two football coaches, and if you're still paying off the guy before Mullen, you yeah. know McElwain, you're paying three football coaches. I mean, this this is just insanity, isn't it? Uh, it's insanity, and and then and then it begs the question, you know, how are we even housing these things on college campuses anymore? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things we're talking about. And one of them is not how Tommy's doing in biology. Yep. Uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, we still, we still have the moniker that we operate under called student athlete. And I'm not sure where the student is in all this. Uh, um, it's definitely there. They are going to college. They are going to class, but it's not something anything's being talked about. Uh, so and, and along, along those lines, John, and you saw it in 2013, when there is that midseason, you know, coaching change, the, mm -hmm. the anxiety, the, the uncertainty that exists over a, you know, six week or, or you know, two month period, you know, mm -hmm. what, what happens to the student athletes during that time when, you know, the coach that recruited them, you know, gets the, gets the rug pulled out from under him. And then sometimes, 
you know, unwarranted, you know, right. totally unwarranted. Right. Well, I'll tell you, it is, it is unnerving. I think for the students and the student athletes, it's unnerving for our own families. Uh, let's go back to 2013. Now Lane Kiffin, who I worked for, um, actually was a student assistant for me at Fresno state, um, in 1997, 98, 99, when he was a student there. Uh, and, uh, and so anyway, that being said, I've had a long relationship with Lane, but uh, we played Arizona State in a night game in Tempe. Uh, I don't remember what game of the season was, but it was like number four or five. I think and, it was number six. You were three and okay. two at the time. You were three right. and two at the time. So you had just either won or lost at Arizona State right. to, uh, so, to go yeah, three we, and two. So we lost at Arizona State. But interestingly enough, I had a daughter who was a senior in high school. And she was interested in visiting Arizona State as a prospective college. Uh, my sister-in-law is the registrar at Arizona State. So she decided uh, she flew down there on her own, um, sat with uh, some of the coaches' wives that went on the trip. We come home from the trip, obviously a night game, uh, Pac-12 after dark. We get home at, uh, call it one or two o'clock in the morning, uh, to which as coaches, we're going to go right home and get a few hours sleep. Um, so my cell phone rings about 6 a.m., uh, I don't answer it. It rings again at 6 a.m. I don't answer it. It rings again at 6 a.m. I look at it. It's my daughter. I'd only been asleep three hours and she's in tears. She says, dad, I'm in the airport. Coach Kiffin got fired last night. Okay. So I found out from the news media, from my daughter who was in the airport flying home on her own Sunday morning. Uh, so the way these things are handled are, are, Definitely uh, sometimes maybe less than professional, but with the voracious nature of social media and news media, media, the way the stories find out, oftentimes we as insiders find out <laughs> via the media, whatever form that is. Um, and, and then it's straight damage control from there, um, as you can imagine, because, you know, once fear and panic set in, um, it is really something to do to try to manage and uh, to pull a season together, you know, for the rest of the year. And for, for the record in that season, the staff that we had that was led by Ed Ogeron until he ultimately didn't get the head job. Uh, we went to the Las Vegas bowl and we won 10 games. Uh, so to lose your job mid season and still have the firepower to win 10 games. And you may remember that was our first year back from bowl probation we did it with 43 scholarship athletes. Uh, it's, it's just, it's extremely difficult and unnerving. And now we have things like the transfer portal in play and uh, everything else. So along those lines, what, what's going to happen, what's going to happen in the next month yeah. with, with the, the transfer portal, forget about the 13 coaching changes and, and well, there's going to be Carl, there's going to be a lot more than 13 now because you're going to have right. guys leaving other jobs to take these jobs, and it's going to be a carousel is going to be insane for the next month, right? It, it's going to be insane. So, um, you know, I think, I think, uh, what I'd like to do is take uh, two minutes here, and I want to, I don't, I want to paint a picture for you of, of what's, uh, of just a, a, a few bullet points of what the, what's happened in the last decade that's led us to this spot to kind of show you what I think is unsustainable off this. Okay. And, you know, we, up until and through the early 2010s, 
know, we had rules that were in place. They'd been in place for a long time. Um, Mark and Mark Emmert becomes the president of the NCAA and kind of the word of his presidency has been deregulation. Mm -hmm. Well, regulation works. Okay. Especially when you're playing a finite game and not an infinite game, which means you want to play by the same rules. Um, and, and you want to eliminate as much chaos as possible. In 2010, when I went to USC from Fresno state, uh, in 2011, we had our student managers teaching us as coaches how to use Facebook so we could direct message players because texting to that point was illegal. Yeah. Texting in 2003 was an interesting year in the cell phone industry because 2003 was the first year in the history of earth that text messages outnumbered voice calls. Wow. Um, the reason we couldn't text message recruits was because back when you had to have data plans, there were kids that became high profile uh, student athletes, coaches realized they could text them and kids were getting thousand dollar phone bills through no fault of their own. Uh, Cause they didn't have data plans to support yeah. that level of texting. Yeah. Um, and so, so we were trying to learn a thing that was called Facebook back then. Okay. Um, and then that way you could direct message a player. And the reason you could direct message the player is because he had to agree to make you a friend. And so in, 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 in a way he's saying, I can support this. 2011, big year, Russell Wilson grad transfer from NC State mm -hmm. to Wisconsin, okay? Now, that was a rule that, uh, you know, was put in place, uh, you know, to reward a student athlete who's finished his eligibility or finished his degree but had eligibility left right. that may want to go to grad school someplace else. Well, that was, only, that was only 10 seasons ago. Now it's just free agency. Yeah. 2014 happens. NCAA announces that they've deregulated meals. Okay. You can feed them as much as you want. Well, that added $2 million to our budget at USC the day it happened. Okay. Um, because now we're feeding them breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks in between, and they can order pizzas at night. Okay. 2016 comes and the NCAA finally deregulates texting, which means now you can text. Uh, which is now, you know, as coaches, we're carrying telephones um, that, that are going 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. um, we go to practice and we have to have a student worker or a manager hold our phone because if a text comes in or something, somebody's got to answer it, you know, because recruiting is, is such a big deal. Uh, 2016, we heard a thing for the first time, opting out. Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey opt out of bowl games because they're not playoff games. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember when it was Rose Bowl or No Bowl, you would die to go to a bowl game. You'd give anything to go to a bowl game. Uh, 2017 happens, and all of a sudden comes this, this uh, December mid-year signing date, which had been discussed for probably 15 years. Okay. And I'm still going to tell you that that – you know, what the idea was is that all these kids are committing earlier, okay, which is a whole side story, but now all these kids are committing early. We need to sign the ones that are committed. Well, now all these kids that are waiting until February see this game of musical chairs going, all these people sitting down. Well, I'm not going to wait till February. I'm going to sign now. So now the signing day is December, and the February one is like sweeping up the decimal dust. Uh, well, if you're going to have a coach and if, if, if you, now you got two things in play, if you don't have a coach by uh, signing day in December, well, you're going to miss the signing day 
And you may, you may now with the transfer portal in play, lose a percentage of your team. And there's nothing to say that the whole team's so upset they don't leave. And you might be playing for, you might sign with a coach different than the guy you ended up playing for. Right. And by the way, there's coaches losing their jobs. The teams right. that are going to go right. to a ball game. Right. Okay. Now, if you're an assistant coach and you know your contract is up, am I staying to coach the ball game? Yeah. Am I not staying to coach the ball game? You know, um, Everything about us as integrity or character, people says, well, stay and give your best shot to the student athlete. I've got to put food on the table. Okay. Um, you know, and then here comes 2018, October 2018, significant day. That's the debts when the transfer portal went into place. They thought initially there'd be a couple of hundred kids that were interested in grad transferring. Within 90 days of the transfer portal, there were over 2,000 names in it. Okay. And then, you know, obviously you go to uh, uh, July 1st of 2021, and now we have name, image, and likeness. And so I'll kind of wrap up this little history lesson with, with some words. Okay, so March 12th of 2020, the United States shuts down. Uh, the Pac-12 ends up, you know, joining with the Big Ten, and they weren't going to play. And then, then the Big Ten did want to play. And then the Pac-12 played a small schedule. The SEC, ACC, and Big 12 played a normal schedule. But – there was time for people to sit at home and reflect and talk and uh, connect on Zoom and do things. And, you know, language is really important because language, language emote tells you feeling, it tells you emotion, and it tells you what the thoughts are. And here are the words you're hearing as of 2020. Opt out for COVID, opt out for the bowl game, opt out for the season, opt out for non-playoff games, cost of attendance, uh, the transfer portal, early signing, decommitment, deregulation, NIL, what's your brand, what's your message, what's your agenda, Pac-12 United, Big Ten United. Yeah. We are in a very transformational space, and deregulation is creating wholesale lack of regulation. Yeah, we're, we're in a situation now where, I mean, like you said, it's hurtling towards, it's, and Carl and I have talked about this repeatedly on the show hurtling towards a new division or a new super conference or whatever you want to call it that is completely a free it's a minor league it's just going to be a minor league for the nfl and then that's how it's going to end up and it's unfortunate because like you said to be at the outset it, it leaves the student part of this off right. to the side and it's and and we've totally lost focus of that and and i i wrote something a while back joking that one day we'll have the mutual of omaha cornhuskers playing the ford wolverines uh, because right. you know, because they're, that's what they are. They're minor. They're going to be minor league teams now, and they're not going to be. They're not. They might have a college name next to them, but really, the college experience is going to be lost. Is that but fair? But before that, but before that, Mark, on that on that corporate, yep. yeah, I, I don't know. And and now as the NCA is going through this this new constitutional convention, right. and they're going to spit out right. new rules. I think we're going to see more deregulation. And there will not be currently there's a rule that you can only have certain number of logos on your uniform. Oh, that that's so you can cool. have you can have the, the school logo, you can have the manufacturer's logo. And those are the only ones that are permissible. Yeah, that'll change. I think yeah, I think that before that'll, you have the yep. mutual of Omaha, you're gonna see a, a, a corporate logo. Yep. You see them you see them on bowl games already. Yep, you right do. On. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and you know, we've gotten over that hurdle. So it must be you okay. In you see it, and you see it in the NBA and you see it in NASCAR, you see all that kind of stuff. And so that's where we're headed. And, that's and unfortunate. That, that's coming. Yeah, sure it is. That's coming but soon. John, John, how does all this fo factor into these quick 
trigger firings that we're seeing now. I mean, I mentioned Dan Mullen. Okay, Florida's not having a great season. They were expected to do better than they're doing this year. But I think he was 34 and 15 or something, 34 and 16 in his, in his three-plus, almost four years. I mean, good luck to the next guy taking that gig, right? I mean, if that's the bar, if you can – 18 games over 500 in four, in four seasons isn't good enough. What is good enough? I mean, is this all about money? Or is there something else involved here with these midseason firings? Well, you know, when you, when you study – financial uh, literacy and you study the market, there's a saying that says uh, the, uh, the bulls walk up the stairs and the bears jump off the window. Okay. I mean, and you look at market and market trends and it's all driven by fear and fear and panic. Mm. And okay. Uh, looking at, at coaches getting hundred million dollar contracts or close yeah. to that. Yeah. That's fear and panic. Uh, looking at mm. firing people during a season so we can have a coach in place uh, for recruiting. That's fear and panic. Okay. Right. Well, the funny thing is, 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 uh, you know, you have coaches that let's, let's say you can hire a coach in October or November. Okay. Well, you know, if you're going to get a guy who's currently working someplace, he's got to finish his own mm-hmm. season. Right. Now you've got this guy taking interviews from search committees. And the reason that search committees are in play is because, the search committee can take a phone call from the coach and can take a phone call from the AD and the the coach can say, I've never talked to that university. And the AD can say, I've never talked to the coach. Right. Okay. And, and there's no email chain. Right. So, so it's, it's, so it goes back to this early, 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 early deregulation. I mentioned Mm -hmm. to Carl the other day, we talked on the telephone and I said, when did it become uncool? to actually have Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving day and have Christmas on Christmas day. Okay. This is all about this, this, uh, you know, let's open our Christmas presents early. You know, it's like we have early signing day. Now we have early commitments. So now we have early official visits in May. Now I don't know about you guys. I'm a parent. I've raised two daughters. I feel like I've parented thousands of kids in my time. Okay. The term immature means not mature yet. These young people are not mature in their thinking. And so now we're going to say, we're going to take commitments from 15 and 16 year olds that have no concept of what the academic curriculum is like on a college campus and what the competitive level of excellence is when you're 18 and somebody's 21. And they have no concept for what the word commitment means because Correct. they're not committing. They're going, I'm going to go to USC for one year. And if I don't like it, I'm going to transfer. Correct. So that's not com- commitment. All, yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, I always say like, it's like ham and eggs. The chicken's involved, but the pig is committed. And for the record, there, <laughs> That's okay, good. Yeah, like there is no, there is no word decommit. Okay. Right. <laughs> it yeah. flies in the face of what commitment right. is. Right. Commitment is all in. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's, there's no backup on that. Okay. And so, uh, you know, and these, these, these recruits, they want to commit, but then they want to take other visits. Yeah. So it's like, I want to be married, but I want to date. Okay. <laughs> you right. don't get to do that. Yeah. But that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. And I've told Carl, I've, I've yeah. told Carl this before. I, I, I've put the blame for the latest, this latest part, the, the NIL part, squarely on the politicians. The politicians who I, I, I call them act first, think later politicians. Mm-hmm. They want to do good by their constituents. All these poor kids are exploited. These poor kids are not exploited. They get a, a, a $100,000 education and meal money and stipends and all this kind of stuff. They're taken very good care of during their years they're supposed to be training to become a professional in whatever they become a professional in. So why we have to pay them while they're doing that is ludicrous to me. And I think it's, 
it, it's just destroying the fabric of what, what, what you've been talking about. But um, well, the, the, OK, for example, tuition, the cost of attendance, yeah. tuition, room, board, books and fees mm -hmm. at the University of Southern California is in a neighborhood of sixty five thousand right. dollars. OK, it's private school. Mm -hmm. OK, now, granted, it's that, that the cost is, is similar even at public schools, but it's defrayed by taxpayers. Okay, but that, that's $65,000. Well, let's put a kid in because nobody goes five years anymore. Everything's mm -hmm. talk about on signing day for the next three years, I'm going to take my talents mm -hmm. to whatever. Yeah. Three years? What are we talking about? Okay, so so the, the thing is, you take five years of that, that's $350,000. Mm -hmm. I, I educated, uh, not I, but my wife and I provided educations for our daughters. Our daughters are out of college and they're debt-free. Okay, to come out of college having played an intercollegiate sport, a college degree, or maybe a master's degree, if you, if you accelerate, yep. do some in terms, build relationships. That's a, I don't care who you are. That, that's a, that's a 200 to $400,000 proposition right. Right. of which you're debt free. Right. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. And and now we start to ask ourselves, okay, now how do we, how these, house these on college campuses, you know? Yeah. yeah. Over the, over the course of the last 15 years, as the NCAA, and when I say the NCAA, the, the, the athletic directors, the commissioners, the presidents, you know, the coaches have a role in this, is that we have not done a very good job of telling that story, Sean, in terms of, of the value the value of, a, of an intercollegiate athletic scholarship. Yep. And we, we lost an opportunity to, to make those statements at the same time. Mm -hmm. that coaches' salaries went from a million to two to four to six to ten. Mm -hmm. And and until the cost of attendance came in play four years ago, mm -hmm. at the threat of you know litigation, yeah. the NCAA didn't come up with this great idea of, well, let's go ahead and 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 provide some additional you know revenue to our student athletes because yeah. there hasn't been any increase for 25 or 30 years. Correct. We didn't do it until we had the gun to our heads by the by the plaintiff's lawyers right. threatening a class action. Right. Completely yeah. reactive. And and uh, and you know, that being said, here's the rhetorical question here. Well, if a scholarship, including cost of attendance, okay, there's 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 two things in play here. Number one, the words that we all want to embrace as functioning adults as leaders, as professionals, and as educators is, you know, equity and diversity and those things that we want to celebrate on college campuses. Well, when you deregulate meals and you do cost of attendance, there's 600 student athletes that all deserve equitable right. treatment. Exactly. Okay. So it gets lost in, in football and basketball that gets lost. That, that is, that is completely owed to every student athlete. Right you know, that is a scholarship athlete. And that's, what's right. Mm -hmm. The the answer to the bottom line is, you know, we used to, I remember when I worked at Arizona and Cedric Dempsey was the AD who ultimately became the president of NCAA. And he was talking about budget shortfalls and how we were going to have to do some things and whatever. We're, we're not talking about, you know, a couple million dollars anymore. We're talking about paying a hundred million dollars to one person. Okay. Yeah. And now, with the cost of attendance and other things that we're able to do, the question and the value of a scholarship would be this. What would happen if, if uh, that was a taxable event? 
to a student athlete if they got a yes. W-2, okay? Could, how many of them could even pay the taxes on the value right. of that scholarship? Right. And that begins to show you how valuable it really is. Mm-hmm. No, that's a really, really good point. We've talked about that before as well. When that, when that bill comes due, and NI, they're going to be paying NIL taxes now, right? These kids, right. the kid at Ohio State that got the new pickup truck doesn't realize, yeah, hey, you got to pay taxes on that thing now. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it's going to come home to roost at some point. But I mean, wait, wait till we have players with income tax issues. Yeah. Oh, it'll happen. It'll absolutely happen. What about the coaches again, though? I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. the, the ridiculous salaries, and we, we know there should be, at least I, I think there should be a cap on coaches' salaries, a maximum, okay? Maybe, maybe it's $5 million a year or whatever. But, I mean, and I know Nick Saban generates a ton of money for the University of Alabama. I get all that. But at some point, and you brought up a really good point about the other athletes, the non, even the non-revenue sport athletes and the non-scholarship right. athletes, you know, right. they, they've got to be taken care of equally because court, the court of law is going to say you can't let the football player make money and the lacrosse player right. doesn't. So right. it's, that's all going to, going to wash out. But if, if, they, if they somehow balance this out a little bit and say, okay, coaches, we're capping it at $5 million a year or we're going to, you know, something like this, something reasonable, um, can some sanity be returned to this? And maybe these midseason firings aren't done out of fear and panic, as you said before. And they said, well, we're going to get our guys, we're going to have to pay them this much. We've got some cost certainty involved. Will that help? Hey, hey Mark, Mark, well, let me, let me, let me please, answer that. And, and I'll, uh, I'll do a quick uh, history lesson that, uh, you know, 20 years ago that the NCAA trying to manage costs mm-hmm. uh, created a, a coaching category uh, called a volunteer uh, excuse me, a, uh, yeah, a volunteer coach, basketball coach. Right with a limit of $30,000 put on those, on those volunteer coaches. It didn't take long for one of them to recognize that they were being restrained. Right. And it didn't take long for there to be a class action lawsuit by those mm-hmm. assistant coaches who were the intent was for them to be entry level coaches, right. but they are also some of these, coaches that, you know, that had been fired and, bit, right. you know, got back into it at this $30,000 level. And it ended up being a $350 million judgment against the NCAA Oof. for restraint of, you know, of, restraint of, of trade, you know, yeah. salary. Yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, so the idea of, of salary cap in, in the collegiate world, as much as it makes sense and, and we'd like to have it, just that, that is not, not a solution. Wow. But what what is a solution? Perhaps I'm not, I don't even know if it's a solution. In the last seven days, we've seen Michigan State panic, right? Because they were worried that they were going to lose their new coach, right. their new hot coach, mm-hmm. to LSU, yep. and he gets this unbelievable raise, as John mm-hmm. was saying. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, James Franklin at Penn State, you know. Penn State people panic because they don't want to lose James Franklin to Southern Cal or LSU or Florida yeah. or you know or someplace else, and and the game that's being played, and 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 there's there's a lot of smart people on those campuses and the the board of regents at those universities are smart people, mm-hmm. but they are they are just absolutely they, they must think that that there is totally a a bottomless pit of revenue and yeah. resources. Yeah. And that that the resources are going to continue to, uh, you know, to bubble up and to pay for for these expenses. Um, I remember Gene Smith when he took the job at, at Ohio That's State. Good. John, he went from Arizona State to Ohio State. Right. When he got to when he got to Ohio State, there was massive 
capital projects going on. And, and as he was trying to get his arms around the financial health of Ohio State, the Ohio State University, he looked at the, at the annual uh, debt service on those buildings and said, if, if the, the economy goes south, we'll be bankrupt. We won't have enough money to pay for those buildings. Right. And, and by the way, what yeah. have we seen now? We've yeah. seen the, you know, the economy has not crashed. Well, and the funny thing is the explosion in the coaching salaries, if you go back and you look at it year over year, was 2008. The ironic thing about 2008 is that's when the entire American yeah. economy and real estate went in the tank mm -hmm. yes, and coaches were getting multi-million dollar raises. Okay. Yeah. You know, now I always jokingly say when, when people ask me on an airplane, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm just a highly compensated gym teacher. Okay. But that's what we are. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, you know, I, I believe in the player coach relationship. I believe in the, uh, I, I believe in making that young person's life better, but I also believe in, in the toughness and discipline aspect that it takes for a young person to become a responsible adult, mm -hmm. to do yep. the right thing, to, to say the right things, to overcome mistakes that they've made and to develop the toughness to play a really hard game. Well, those things are now abuse and the transfer portals in play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the days of Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler and, and uh, you know, uh, Joe Paterno. Frank Cush. Um, yeah. Frank Cush, you know, yeah. um, the, the long tenured people uh, that, that, that saw freshmen become seniors, get married, become doctors, mm -hmm. become, you know, community yep. servants. Those days are over. Yeah. And, and now, like I said, it's early signing day. So now it's early visits. So that means 16-year-olds are making decisions. That means coaches are going to get fired early. That means that that now coaches get fired. So now scuttlebutt starts to happen about which coaches currently yeah. working are going to take those jobs, yeah. high-profile yep. jobs, but fired. So now those coaches are getting their contracts bumped and renewed and whatever else. And like I said, I don't see it being sustainable. Hey, hey, hey John, we got time for probably one more question here before I have to let you go. If you were a head coach right now at, say, I don't know, some, some group of five school, at a group of okay. five school, Texas, right. Texas State, Texas and you were, State. Well, and you were doing really, really well. You were a hot commodity. What would be going through your head right about now? Would you be focused on what you're trying to do with your team, or could you, could you concentrate? Because you know that search committee has you in their sights. Well, I'm going to tell you that how I'm wired is I could concentrate, okay? But probably to my own demise, I haven't ever entertained things, you know, during the season or, or while I'm, I'm talking to uh, – uh, or while I'm working with my athletes, you know, I happen to have a very unique career path in that, uh, I was at the university of Southern California for, uh, eight years and Fresno state for 14. I've had two jobs for the last 22 years. Cause I actually believed in what we were doing with our young people. Um, and at Fresno state, I certainly had opportunities as many of us did. Carl knew what kind of program we had. Uh, to pursue opportunities in the NFL or other conferences or thing like that. But I believed in Pat Hill. I believed in our value system. I believed in the virtues that, that we were holding our young people to. And I loved the work that we were doing. Okay. Now I didn't make as much during those years as I could have made had I taken other jobs, but I am my kid's dad and my kids did make one move in the same state their entire life. I'm going to tell you that I feel like I'm an outlier in the profession. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you most certainly are. You most certainly. Are. But hey, we've really enjoyed this conversation. A ton of good information. Appreciate you giving us some time. Thanks, John. You and and uh, wish you the best. And I'll just throw this out there. Nebraska needs a special teams coach. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll, maybe we'll get the search committee on that. Yeah, uh, let's do it. <laughs> I'm available. I'll, I'll, I'm trust me. I'm gonna let them know that. Uh, thanks again. We'll have you on again. Best of luck and okay. congratulations on on what you've done to this point. And hope your book's still doing well. Oh, it is. Great All to right. see you, Mark and right. Carl. Thanks very much. Thanks. We appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Max. We'll you have bet. you back. All right. Take, yep. take care. Bye-bye. There he goes. John Baxter, 35 years, a college football coach, uh, a, a very good mentor for young people. Uh, we need more of those kind of guys in college football and fewer, uh, I don't know, carpet baggers. Is that the right word, Carl? <laughs> coach, oh. coach a year and take off. Okay. Hey, we got to wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back. Carl's got his uh, thumbs up, thumbs down coming up right after this. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. My thumbs of the week goes to University of Mississippi Athletics Director Keith Carter. As Ole Miss became the first athletics department to provide its student athletes with an academic excellence award that became permissible this past summer when the United States Supreme Court ruled that student athletes are now able to receive all the same type of academic benefits as the rest of the university student population, including a financial subsidy for academic excellence. And in this case at Ole Miss, this amounts to $6,000 per year for each of the 415 student athletes, men and women, who participate in the 18 sports that Ole Miss sponsors. Ole Miss and Carter made this statement. Every school in the SEC and the other Power Five conferences are going to do this. And with the additional revenue we have generated this fall due to the great football season we are having, we said, let's do it now and get ahead of the other schools. And with that, my thumbs up for the week to Ole Miss for providing all their student athletes and not just the star quarterback or running back with this early Christmas present. So some good news to wrap up this week's show. Our thanks to longtime college football assistant coach John Baxter for his insights on this week's show. For Commissioner Carl Benson, I'm Mark Knutson. Thanks for joining us. Have a happy holiday and hope you can join us next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.